0: Hello and
1: welcome to The Argo Rule. Hello, kind viewers. This is Ian, your friendly neighborhood editor, with an explanation about the name of the podcast. As you may notice while listening to this episode of The Podcast, there are times when we refer to this podcast as The Argo Rule. But it is listed in Stitch or Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are listened to. As all systems are go. This is because, against the editor's will, Jamal and Jess decided to change the name of the podcast after recording episodes of the podcast, but before releasing episodes of the podcast. I mean, the original name was fine. It was okay. It was going to work. It wouldn't make a difference. Only our friends are going to listen to this, anyways. But they had to do it, you know, and it's fine. It's okay. I'm not mad. But I'm definitely not editing out the background AC in this recording. But, anyways, that's the explanation. Jamal and Jess changed the name after recording, but we didn't want to re record. And I didn't want to have to go into every part of the episode where they said the Argo rule and replace it with All Systems Argo. So, yeah, that's the explanation. And, uh, Jess and Jamal, I hope it was fun.
0: Fucking In this first episode, we'll begin by examining the film that will be the baseline for all episodes to come, the movie that sets the standard for all other movies' capacity for greatness and determining what makes a technical masterpiece. We'll be taking a look at Ben Affleck's Academy Award-winning film, Argo.
2: Hello everybody, and welcome to the first episode of The Argo Rules.
0: The Argo Rule. The Argo Rule.
1: Okay, right off the bat. Like, like seriously? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll
2: let you continue, sorry. Cool. We can just say that again and again. Like, ten times, maybe? I think that's content.
1: No, it's not, Jamal. It is not content. Stop it. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> no, it's
2: good. No, it's good. Uh, well, uh, we are your hosts. I'm Jamal Barringer,
0: And I'm Jess Hassell.
2: How are you doing, Jess?
0: I'm doing well. I've just watched Argo.
2: That's true. We did uh, watch the movie Argo um, for, well, it was my second time. I watched it back in 2012 and your first time.
0: Yep. I feel exactly the same before the movie as I felt
2: that (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Well, I guess we should introduce the concept here Uh, in the Argo rule we're going to be looking at Oscar-winning movies, Best Picture uh, winners, and comparing them to the 2012 Best Picture winner, Ben Affleck's Argo. Now, this came about... I, I watched Argo back in, I don't know, 2013 or whatever. And at some point, Argo became true neutral of Oscar movies for me. So if a movie is worse than Argo... Then I don't like it. But but if it's better than Argo, well then it's got something going for it, right?
0: And having seen Argo now, I totally understand <laughs> this scale and measure. <laughs> like right? like I'm not I'm not
2: unhappy I watched Argo.
0: Me neither. But if a movie is worse than Argo, it's a bad movie, I think.
2: Right, I would be. I would be unhappy. Well, I wouldn't be unhappy, but it, it, it's not, yeah, it, it's not good. And
0: if it's above, then I really enjoyed it, and it's, like, solid.
2: Exactly. But, like, do, do did you enjoy Argo, like, specifically? I did not not enjoy Argo. There you go. See? <laughs> I, think, I think I liked Argo less this time than in 2013 or whatever, for a variety of reasons that we'll get into. But it is still true neutral. Like, it is... The prime (laughs) meridian. Exactly. exactly. It's the prime meridian of movies. Thank you for stealing that from me. No problem. Very good. (laughs) So in in this podcast, we're going to watch, as I said, Oscar-winning movies and compare them to uh, Argo. However, there is... There is one extra element to the show that Jess came up with back when back when you were being added. Now, would you like to go through what that is? I forgot what the extra element was. You for, Okay, so they, <laughs> <laughs> that's K M. So, Okay, good. I <laughs> you forgot the extra element of the show you currently on? on.
0: You came up with the concept. Oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, so the part that uh, I came up with was every week we'll watch a different Oscar nominated slash best picture winner movie. And on top of that, we'll re watch Argo so that we can not only parse out the mystery that is the true neutral of Argo, <laughs> but we'll also be comparing whether or not the other movie falls above or below. Argo.
2: Absolutely, and how could we really honestly compare whether, say, I don't know, uh, Kramer versus Kramer is better than Argo without watching both of them immediately one after the other? Now we there's no way we just know. We will be us. We will be. Pre- no, of course we have to. No option. <laughs> we will be pulling in guests um, <clears throat> Every every episode will bring somebody new uh, And they will watch Argo with us And also watch another Oscar movie So by the end If we actually have an episode For every single best picture winner We will have f- We will have seen the movie Argo A minimum Of 92 times I
0: don't know I wanted to say that at the same time
2: No you're fine, you're fine It's good <laughs> <laughs> I And now it, I would say it would be for sure more, but like, you know, we're recording this in the middle of COVID. Who knows if we'll even have the Oscars? Uh, anyway, so that is the concept of the Argo rule. Uh, so for our first episode, the movie we're looking at to compare on the Argo scale uh, is Argo um, because you've never seen it before, Jess. So uh, briefly, briefly, let's just go over what Argo is directed by Ben Affleck came out in 2012 off of a script by Chris Terrio. Um Chris Terrio uh, also wrote um a lot of not very good movies. Noted. He uh got his like his big hit by winning the Oscar for best adapted screenplay for Argo and then went on to write Batman v Superman and Justice League and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Uh Three bad movies, one of which I deeply, deeply hate. So it is it is amazing to me that Chris Terrio's entire career got kicked off um, with this. Uh, and to be honest with you, Jess, I, I don't think Argo's screenplay's that good. I don't either. Like,
0: <laughs> the drama, the drama.
2: Like, the movie has its... Um, the movie has its... Uh, pluses but the screenplay is not specifically like it is
0: not specifically worthy of award
2: no and it's based on a book also so uh,
0: which would make you think that they would have developed the screenplay
2: a little more you'd think i well so i don't even like i think well actually okay hold on but i guess they
0: can only do so much deviation
2: Let's hold this and, well, well, we'll see about that. Let's hold this and get into the general concept of the movie, if you've never seen Argo.
0: So if you've never seen Argo from the eyes of somebody who hadn't seen Argo and did not look up Argo prior to <laughs> deciding to start this podcast.
2: Yeah, what is Argo about to you, Jess?
0: Argo is a political Hollywood heist movie. That also happens to be a true story about the U.S. pretending to create a movie in order to save six escapees in Iran during the Iranian Revolution. Yes. So,
2: it historic- sounds like
0: a joke, and it is not one. <laughs> uh,
2: 2012 historical drama... Yeah, based on a real a real CIA mission that was classified uh, <clears throat> until it was- absolutely until '97. Uh, in the Iranian Revolution, of course, um, a large group of Iranian students took over the American embassy, and there was a large uh, high level hostage situation that went on for a while. Uh, six diplomats escaped the embassy, but were in hiding in Tehran for. For a good amount of time, they were uh, sheltered by the um, Canadian embassy, and right, they created a movie to get them out. The CIA, Uh, ridiculous thing, ridiculous concept. But also, explain why it's an Oscar winner. Absolutely, well, so that's the thing. Why it's
0: an Oscar winner because it's it's a movie about people who make movies.
2: Yes. Or As I'm sure we America. will see many, 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 many times throughout this podcast, there are a lot of different Bex Picture winners that are about Hollywood, commonly known. But this one's weird because it shouldn't be about Hollywood.
0: It absolutely should not be about <laughs> Hollywood. It should, in fact, actually be about the Iranian Revolution. And about the the people and how that related, maybe, to the mission, but it is not that.
2: No. Like, this is a movie that starts out with a historical backdrop on the factors leading up to the Iranian Revolution and how we were involved.
0: If, <laughs> which is necessary, especially, to for folks who haven't,
2: like, who don't know
0: necessarily that much oh, history. Yeah. Um, I, 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 didn't... Some things. I was like, holy snap.
2: Yeah, I don't know that much about the Iranian Revolution, and I certainly didn't know much about the Iranian Revolution when I was a oh fourteen year old centrist or whatever when I first saw Argo <laughs> in twenty thirteen or something. Like, no wonder you enjoyed Argo less this time. Actually, it would have been like sixteen or seventeen year old centrist. Um, but yeah, actually, yeah, that definitely is a part of why I enjoyed the movie. But, yeah, it starts off with this um, political sort of backdrop. And then the uh, the American embassy getting overrun by in sort of a mob of Iranian protesters. And it's a very tense, like, scary scene. Moment. And then, like, half the movie is, like, Ben Affleck palling around with Alan Arkin and John Goodman and making a movie. Or, like, setting up one. It's very weird.
0: It, it's it, there's so many strange tonal shifts because such a large chunk of the movie is dedicated to them messing around trying to make a movie. And then there's another large chunk that is, or rephrase, another smaller chunk that's dedicated to them being in offices and setting up the history of Ben Affleck's family situation. <laughs> <laughs> so you really have like the order of time that this movie decides, like the order of importance that this story decides to place on issues really starts with making the movie is the most important thing. Ben Affleck's family is the second most important thing. And the Iranian revolution is the third most important thing.
2: At some point, the actual American Democrats have to go in there. Probably second, probably slightly more important than Ben Affleck's family, but less important than the movie, at least for the first half. But then after that, the movie stops mattering,
0: stops mattering entirely. And so they spent all this time on it. And you're like, wait, where'd the movie go?
2: It doesn't like uh, so part of the movie, of course, is that he goes. uh, So Ben Affleck, you know, let's back up a little bit. Ben Affleck's character, right? Uh, CIA man, exfiltration operative. Boy, is the CIA good. The CIA are good guys in this movie.
0: And they actually have a line where they say, "I guess the CIA are the good guys."
2: <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. They
0: say, "Thank you, Canada."
2: <laughs> and we're going to get into that in a minute. But oh boy, <laughs> the CIA unquestionably the good guys in this movie. CIA, of course, one of the worst, one of the worst organizations in uh, certainly American history, probably probably human history. Hate it, terrible. But. Um, Love that. <laughs> uh, uh, ben Avleck is exfiltration agent, recently separated from his wife, has a young child, workaholic, dangerous job, etc. Uh, he figures the only way to get these Democrats out is to make a Hollywood movie because all their other options don't work to get into the city. So he flies to Hollywood to meet with a producer played by Alan Arkin, Lester hmm, sequel Lester Okay. Uh, and a makeup specialist played by John Goodman. I think his name is John Chambers. Um, And they're great. They're great. I love them. Alan Arkin and John Goodman, wonderful. Tons of fun. Honestly. Been watching them forever. Alan Arkin's a national treasure. John Goodman, also national treasure. They're a lot of fun. Um, And they go through this whole song and dance to put on this fake movie.
0: They get scripts. they're like starting to get newspaper articles published about it, they make storyboards, they spend so much time like negotiating deals. They even have a scene where Ben Affleck is calling his son, and that's how he gets inspired for the idea. Yeah, yeah,
2: he gets inspired by Battlestar Galactica that his son is watching on TV. So half of this movie is comedic, really. Is straight up comedy of them trying to make this dumb fake movie and dealing with Hollywood stuff and there's jokes jokes about unions and producers and options oh yeah And every now and then,
0: problem, Jamal, then argue fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, go fuck yourself. I do love that. I do love that to death. If is... you got a
0: problem with this movie, Jamal, then Argo, fuck yourself.
2: Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I guess we'll end the podcast with that. Solid. <laughs> I guess that'll be the end. <laughs> yeah. I. So that's fine. That's all fine and good. And then halfway through the movie, like we're getting little snippets of the... Um, <clears throat> The diplomats trapped in trapped in Tehran, uh, and then at the very end, or sorry, at the very like the end of the first half, the mission gets set up to be a go, and then the whole movie genre changes. It is no longer a funny, happy Hollywood comedy about a man who's like disconnected from his son. It is now uh, a
0: political thriller and spy movie where a man is trying to infiltrate another country under extreme duress.
2: Yeah, it is straight up just. Hey, you need you like six diplomats You need to know everything about this. You need to practice it. We're in constant danger. Uh, The clock time is running out. The clock is running down. You you need to get you out. We're going to get killed.
0: And in that way, it transforms into a heist movie where you have scenes with Ben Affleck coaching them through the characters that they're supposed to be playing in order to get out of Iran by literally throwing questions at them and throwing the folder. I remember he threw the folder on the table and he's, and then he's like, you're dead, you're captured. And so you're going through what in certain scenes feels very intense and in other scenes feels still like he's giving heist movie type speeches that are yeah. meant to... To hype up the audience and show that they have to do this perfectly so the plan can go off without a hitch.
2: Yeah, and like interspersed with that are scenes of his boss, played by Brian Cranston back, in, uh, back at Langley, like talking to people in the White House and trying to make sure everything goes smoothly. And it's all just this thriller ramping up the suspense until they can get out of the, the country. It's a very weird tonal shift. And it's not like it's not worse. It's not a worse movie after that.
0: Yeah, I don't definitely even know it's definitely not. I wouldn't call it a worse movie. I would just say that it's it wasn't unpleasant, and it wasn't unwelcome. It was just mildly surprising. Yes. And it also, in a way, the tonal shift also kept me engaged.
2: Sure. Yeah, I would agree.
0: Yeah, the, the tonal shifts to me, the weird blend... I, I didn't know at first what to make of it, but it's not bad
2: somehow. No, it's, it's fine.
0: Because ordinarily you would see that level of genre change and feel like the movie was being confusing or having mixed messages. But while it's surprising, it's still not technically bad, but it's also not great.
2: Yeah, it doesn't the shift doesn't make it it just kind of switches from one okay movie to another okay movie.
0: And it doesn't and add
2: anything either. <clears throat> not really. And like both sides are made technically very well. The suspense in the second half is good. The comedy in the first half is fine. Uh <laughs> 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 nice. maybe a little bit stronger, but <laughs> because nice. it's not only jokes about Hollywood. But like They're both well made. There's just no wow factor to any of them, and it it doesn't blow you away ever. Also, like Ben Affleck's direction is good, uh, technically speaking, especially with his actors, I think. But there's not a lot of interesting shots in the movie, or really striking sort of. There's
0: not very many striking.
2: Yeah, not a lot of really interesting use of color, or it's just it's it's all well made. It's just nothing is specifically there i think i i specifically recall one shot where he's, he's standing by uh, the, the window balcony. yeah he's on the balcony and yep. uh in the hotel him to run it, it looked striking and i was like oh that's the only one
0: that's yeah it. the fact that we both recall that same image of him standing and the skyline sort of is in front of him uh yeah. that scene is the only really striking image and it feels weird because in in Argo being this like this true neutral, the the movie is very gray. Like yeah, it reminds me. Of brown. It's <laughs> a very grayish movie where <laughs> where everything in it is somehow grayish. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's like dusty blue to brown.
2: And like that image that is striking is like a light bluish color. I don't want to. I don't want to overplay it. It's not like an incredible image or something. It's not like we both remember it because it was like whoa.
0: Yeah, there was no wow factor
2: to that. <laughs> <year>. It's the <laughs> only one, so yeah, you know, it's there. Uh, exception proves the rule, if any. And I guess we can also talk a little bit. About the political aspect to the movie, which nobody cared about in 2012, I guess. I mean, not nobody, but, you know, not the Oscars, certainly. Certainly Um, not. The Oscars care about a political or racial perspective now? No. Frickin' Green Room? Mm.
0: Yeah, Um, like, (laughs) you mean freaking Green Book?
2: Ah, you're right. I do mean Green Book. Green Room's a good movie. (laughs) I'm gonna cut that out. Frickin' Green Book. (laughs) Because, okay, so the movie starts. With, as I mentioned earlier, this little, like, political background section that kind of says, like, the U.S. is is a large part of the problems that were happening in Iran.
0: And directly says that the U.S. instituted a leader in Iran who ruled and killed people for 37 years. Yes, yes. Like, that's actually specifically stated in the movie, but yes. it's also came rolled over in a way that <laughs> yeah. is also confusing— from a modern perspective, right?
2: Right. Well, it's like they they kind of give lip service to the idea that hey, we inst- we helped institute a coup that uh, that defeated the um, the socially sort of the secular democ- democracy that was building in the country, and we helped institute a dictator who ruled for like thirty years. Anyway, so in the rest of the movie, uh, every other, pretty much every other Iranian is uh, dangerous
0: and very specifically angry. Except for yes. the one
2: demure housekeeper. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. It is like a situation. Literally, right after that backdrop, the only Iranians we see are a mob, an unnamed mob outside of the American embassy, and they're chanting and um, they're chanting and talking. And I, and I think we'll talk about this more in other other episodes. So I don't want to bring it up too much, but like. This movie has very specific times that it will translate uh, Farsi. Like,
0: Which I think was – oh, I'm, gl- I'm so glad. I'm so glad you caught that too because I found that very interesting that certain parts were not translated.
2: Yeah. Like what the mob is chanting – and really at that point they're not really a mob. They're protesters whatever. whatever um, – we don't hear that. We don't know what they're chanting for. We know that they want the release of the dictator, the Shah Ayatollah Khomeini, and America is currently holding him because um, quote, he's
0: one of ours.
2: Right. Well, and so, and that's the thing. Like the movie does not go into whether America should release him. Um, There's yeah, the
0: lack of a moral stance I think also contributes to the graiseness of this movie
2: yeah and it's like and here's the thing right I think there's legitimate arguments for both sides here right there is a set up international response for what to do when you're holding a dictator responsible for crimes uh, that we uh, will break in like uh, 20 years after this movie when they catch Saddam Hussein but whatever But you you are supposed to sort of hold him and then have him put on trial and uh, someone like the Hague and there's something to be said for not releasing even a dictator back to a country to what will be a summary execution and like
0: absolutely trial. will be a death.
2: absolutely. But this movie is not interested in the politics of Iran at all. It sort of it, it really isn't.
0: It's it's interested in. Uh, the heist Mm -hmm. it's interested in Ben Affleck yes it's interested in creating the movie but the only actual character that the movie takes interest in who is Iranian is the housekeeper who sides with the folks that have escaped the embassy
2: yeah the closest there there are like there are sort of three extremely many Iranian characters we get we get uh as you said uh sahar who is the housekeeper at the canadian embassy who eventually decides not to give up the hostages or the, not the hostages the diplomats who are hiding there we have the sort of ministry leader like the the person with the the ministry of purification who's helping the quote-unquote film the, like, uh, production team scout locations in Iran. So he has one scene. He's not really a character. He's just sort of there. And then there is a specifically hostile Iranian airport guard. And that's it. That's all.
0: Yeah, that's that's it.
2: That's everybody. But, man, I did like hostile airport guard.
0: (laughs) I also liked hostile airport guard. I'm glad that we were both on the same page.
2: I'm sure uh, we're going to talk about. So I think one of the elements uh, that I think we'll talk about as we watch more and more, this movie more and more times is picking one particular thing that jumped out at us or that we want to discuss, maybe an MVP of the movie or something like that. And I think Iranian border guard is going to get an MVP at some point, maybe multiple times.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) With all the times that we're going to watch this movie. His character is going to have a spotlight.
2: Absolutely. Um, But yeah, there's just... The movie mostly uses uh, Iran and Iranians as hostile, dangerous, angry people who we are supposed to be afraid of. Which is frustrating.
0: Yeah, it's definitely weird watching the fear-mongering. Yeah. uh, But the way that it really hammers home in the lack of characterization of the other Iranian people in the movie... The way that you see, like, the child watching violence on TV, Um, like, there's scenes where uh, characters say to other characters how dangerous Iran is and sort of imply that going there is a terrible idea, that sort of thing. Uh, It definitely seems hammered home in a way that is frustrating to say the least.
2: Yes. So, again, I mean, we'll, we'll bring it up more, but yeah, it's just, it it doesn't feel, it feels like it's taken specific pains to not be racist, but those are 2012 pains, so it seems kind of racist. It, it seems... Exactly. It does <laughs> not come across well. Plus, and uh, I know you don't know this, but I do, there are a couple of different controversies this movie got hit with, one of which uh, is... Uh, whitewashing of characters uh whoa, 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 whoa. But, yeah okay so there's two two aspects one is um one of the diplomats who was uh who was captured is um japanese american uh, and she's played by a it's white lady. Any Japanese
0: people in this movie
2: nope uh, and then also well, ben
0: 2012 ben affleck's
2: 2012. character ben affleck's character of course is named tony mendez Yes. Now does, no. His full name is Antonio Joseph Mendes. Now does Ben Affleck look? No. Jamal, he did not direct this movie and
0: then cast himself as the main character when he is not any- <laughs> When he is
2: not in any way a Latino man? Yes. <laughs> he, does not,
0: he does not actually reflect the man he's supposed to be portraying. So he decided to direct the movie and cast himself.
2: Yes, and if you see a picture of Tony Mendez, it's just well, it's anyway. Um, so it's so that's no.
0: Wait, I need to see a picture of Tony Mendez.
2: It's really when you see a picture of Tony Mendez from the time. Um, but now to be fair, to be fair to Ben Affleck, Tony Mendez does not identify uh, as Hispanic, and both passes and considers himself white. So it.
0: Ah, Tony Mendez at the time.
2: Yeah. So I can understand how it happened, especially because Tony Mendez was involved uh, to some extent in the movie and was absolutely fine with it. But the movie did catch some flack for that because, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it would. Yeah. This is just it when would. we were getting into problems with whitewashing, like in Aloha, which is around this time when they cast Emma Stone as a Hawaiian lady. Yeah. And I. Yeah. That's that, not the best. That's one of the. Uh, that's one of the. One of the controversies. The other one, which I have waited till now to tell you, I'm very excited to hear. So I am hurt, hurt by this. I feel betrayed. <laughs> I told record. you I wasn't going to tell you when we were watching it.
0: Uh, I forgot.
2: That's fair. So I was focused on the grige. <laughs> the end of the movie is full of like uh, danger and excitement, right? It's it's a full on
0: clock run to the plane.
2: Right. They've got well, they're racing they racing away from uh from guards who are trying to stop the plane and they get found they're out.
0: Driving all up miles. literally on <laughs> <all> the tarmac. <laughs>
2: There's a they're,
0: driving up, <laughs> the they're driving up literally on the tarmac, right next to the plane, in a fashion that would definitely get them blown back by the plane. But nope, they drive up almost attempt to shoot at it in an effort to <laughs> ca- recapture the six escapees that have literally left and are on a plane that is, in fact, rolling down the tarmac and about to lift
2: off. Yes, but they do not, at any point, ask the... Like, say, hey, turn around. (laughs) They don't, like, call the plane and say, hey, uh, turn around. Turn around and land. We need to talk to some people on board.
0: They don't do that, and they don't go to the call tower immediately. Yes. Either, and they seem to be attempting... This was not shown on film, but um, w- but one of the characters moves his gun in a way that seems to imply that they were going to have a scene where the Iranian military shoots at the wheels of the plane. <laughs> it is insanity.
2: It is really, really crazy. Uh, anyway, none of that happened. <laughs> uh, not, not like, n- like. So there was a whole bit in the movie about uh, last-minute cancellation of the mission. Um, that never happened. That, nothing, none of that happened. Um, Wait,
0: the last-minute cancellation of the mission didn't happen? That was the whole plot okay. the ice part. Okay. Are you telling me, Jamal, that none of that happened?
2: Uh, well, President Carter did delay authorization of the mission by 30 minutes uh, before Mendez had gotten on a plane to go to Iran. No.
0: No. No. No, Jamal, that was <laughs> so integral to the plot of this movie. <laughs> that was the thing. That was the thing that the movie was about. It is the climax like, of that the movie. Thing, and the climax of the movie were in fact not real when this is supposed to be highly based on a true story. Yes. It... I literally can't.
2: Now, and again, uh it's based on a true story. They added it for drama. I'm not angry at it. It's just wild that the entire climax is, is fake. That is,
0: yeah, that's insane. They made it, they really did make it seem like bureaucracy was the thing to blame. <laughs>
2: yeah. It. In and, and, and re, reality, apparently, they bought the tickets, they uh, left it for a flight at 5 30 in the morning. They got on the plane. They flew away. There was no issue. The immigration officers didn't look at them. There was nothing. They walked through and were fine. So the
0: character that we like didn't exist. No, no, yeah, no, no, (laughs) I don't. Not even close. There was no looming anything.
2: Yep, no looming. Wow. There are a couple of other uh, historical sort of inaccuracies, some small and a couple of other bigger ones. I'm not going to go into them now. I think we'll save them for later. Sounds like a good surprise. We've got many many different many different viewings. Maybe that'll be maybe that will be a new segment. I'll say a new a new you're going to make historical inaccuracy with the movie every episode. You're going to make me cry.
0: <laughs> and you're going to freak the hell out of our guests.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's always my goal. That's all I want to do. They're going to be like, what? What?" (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I guess that's our first viewing of Argo. Yeah. It really is just a movie, isn't it?
0: It was very surprisingly just a movie.
2: I watched it. I did. Again, it's there.
0: It's there, and if it wasn't for this podcast, and if it wasn't for this very solid rating system, I would Mm. never watch it again, because I've already watched it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I watched it in 2012. I would never have watched it again if not for this. So, I guess let's ask the question: Jessica, does the movie Argo pass the Argo rule? It is the rule. Can't pass it. Yep, can't. Uh, it does not pass. It does not fail. Uh, it it does is. Not pass. It, does not fail. it is the, the rule, and it, it lived up to it. It's not bad. It's not good. I watched it. It's fine. What a movie. Just a movie. Wow. So, future episodes of The Argo Rule, we're going to have guests, we're going to watch all kinds of other um, Best Picture winners. Are there any that you're specifically excited about?
0: Oh, Jamal, I'm very excited to see how Argo holds up against, like, gladiator. Yeah,
2: I'm excited to see movies that I'm (laughs) not interested (laughs) in seeing, but, like, I've been meaning to for years, I guess, like, finally get around to watching Forrest Gump and seeing if I don't like it, or... you haven't seen Forrest? I've seen Forrest Gump for a variety of reasons. Jindler's List. Ooh, can't wait to watch Three Hours of Dances with Wolves.
0: Stop. I'm also kind of excited to see the movies that were that I felt like were too pretentious for me to bother watching. Yes. <laughs> like The
2: King's Speech. Mm-hmm. Or The Artist.
0: Yeah, neither of which I watched because yeah. why would I have watched them? Why ever? So many other things came out that were worth watching.
2: I'm excited about not watching Kiss of the Spider Woman or The Color Purple, because instead we're going to watch Out of Africa.
0: I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt (laughs) that we're going to watch Green Book. (laughs) Book. (laughs) The fact that Green Book 1, when If Beale Street Could Talk, came out (laughs) the same year is insanity.
2: Super excited to not watch Munich or Capote or Back mountain, or good night and good luck, and instead watch Crash two thousand five screenbook.
0: <laughs> I literally can't.
2: I oh, oh this will be exciting. Oh, I can't wait. This
0: is going to be a fun ride, guys.
2: It's going to be great
0: above and below the Argo rule.
2: Yeah, well, going to be releasing this in around a um around an every other week schedule so uh yeah keep watching this space and uh we're really excited to get started
0: since we're closing the argo rule hey jamal if our lovely viewers want more of you where can they find you
2: uh, <laughs> uh you can also listen to my uh other podcast hayden 08 we look at the movies and media uh, of 2008, and I'm Jamal B. Beringer on uh, on the social media. <laughs> I always be plugging, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jess. Where can we find you?
0: <laughs> and you can find me, Jess Marcel, <laughs> at Just the Remix on Instagram and Twitter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> great. great. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Jess. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of All Systems Argo. It was a ton of fun to make. We'll have a new episode coming for you shortly. So follow us on social media at The Argo Rule to get updates or subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. All Systems Argo was edited and processed using Alitu and Audacity. The music in this episode was Four Corners by Midair Machine. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.